some thoughts about Jesus' return today. Um, you know, Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago, and we celebrate that, um, but that's, you know, that's history. We, we still need to celebrate, remember that He came. That's, that's, you know, critical to what we believe. But what we're looking forward to is His second coming. You know, and what we're really living for is His next return. And I think there's some similarities and some, some differences between his first coming and his second coming that we can, we can learn from and uh, be ready for when he comes again. And so I'm going to just look at some of the similarities and, and some of the, the differences. Um, one of the first and most, well, to me, the most obvious similarity was that his first coming was announced to people, Mary, shepherds, by angels. You know, they, they, they announced it. They came and they, they came to the people and they said, you know, this babe is born. Go see him. Told Mary, you're going to have a son. You know, the angels, they announced that. They announced that. And we know that Jesus, when he comes again, that it's going to be announced by angels. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, the 31st verse, it says, And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather together the elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. When Jesus returns, the angels again are going to announce his return. There's going to be a blast of the trumpets. Now, you know, in our, in our intellect, we say, well, how can that be? How can that be? Well, we've never seen their trumpets. <laughs> you know? You know, how can that be? I, know I can't, I think, a trumpet, you know? Well, you know, no. It's going to be a blast that will be heard throughout the universe. And we will announce that Jesus is returning. The Bible says he's going to come as a thief in the night. You know, nobody knows. It's going to come in an instant. The angels will be a blast and he's, boom, he's back. He's back. I was going to tell you that in my, all my studies, I finally found out when he's coming, but that wouldn't be true. Everybody should know that that's not true because nobody knows. Nobody knows. He's going to come as a thief in the night. It'll be quick. It'll be quick. There'll be no time to prepare for his second coming. You know, he will just be here. And then, and then it will be time for everybody to stand before him. And so we see that, you know, it's announced. It's announced. It's announced from heaven. And then we know that when Jesus came, not everybody received him. You know, in John, John 1.11, it says, He came to his own, and his own, did, and his own did not receive him. His own, the people who were looking for him, Israel, his people, his people did not receive him. They, they were supposedly looking for the Messiah, but when the Messiah came, they missed it. They didn't receive him. He wasn't what they were looking for. The religious leaders of the time did not receive him the scribes and the Pharisees. There was, there was some, but basically, as a group, they did not. What does that tell us, I think, about his second coming? Will we be ready? And we say, oh, yes, we'll be ready. Well, if, if we're so sure we're ready, how's come those folks that were looking for him the first time, who should have been the ones to know he was coming and, and receive him, it says they did not receive him. That they didn't receive him. And so we have to see that there's, there's a time where we have to 
Prepare ourselves. Be ready for his return. Looking for his return. You're looking forward to his return. You know, I always say that, you know, I, I think, and I think it's natural and it's right, that young people don't look forward, look forward to Jesus' return because they have life ahead of them and they're looking for life. They're looking for what they've got planned. They've they got plans. It's always interesting to me, the older you get, the more you look for his return. You know, the Bible says the things of this earth grow strangely dim. Strangely, it's strange, but they grow dim. All the things that you look forward to all of a sudden seem kind of dim. Like, well, maybe it's not really that important. You know, and his coming, his coming looks more important. In Matthew twenty-five thirty-one, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from, one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So when he comes the second time, he's going to then separate the sheep from the goats. He's going to separate those who believe, those who have been born again, washed in the blood, who stand in his righteousness, not their own. That's something very important. Remember, we stand in his righteousness when he returns. It's not yours. Yours is not going to be good enough. You know, your good works, your good deeds, the things you do is not going to be good enough to stand before him. But we stand in his righteousness, clothed in his righteousness because of his blood that cleanses us from all sin. And so we stand before him as one of his children. But like I say, when he comes, it's too late to make that decision. I think, I I don't know how, you know, but, you know, in my mind, I don't know if there's even time to have remorse. There could be remorse because I have a, this is me, this is me talking, but I have a feeling when he comes and when he, when he comes, then it's going to be over. But I think then those who didn't receive him are going to have a little bit of time to think, hmm, maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed it. You know, maybe I wasn't, maybe I'm, you know, I'm not ready. And so we have to see that you know, religious people, religious people will be lost. You know, and people say, people say things about Christians sometimes like, oh, you're so religious. And I, part of me just kind of cringes when people say that, you know, I, I, I don't, I, you know, but let me just, let me just explain a little bit. In Matthew 7, 7, 21, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. That's unsettling. That's unsettling. It says that people did good things. It says they even prophesied in his name. People can actually speak his word in his name, and still he doesn't know them. Cast out demons, do many wonders in his name. And you say, I never knew you. Now, see, that to me starts to define religion, religiousness. That people can do religious things and look religious and say religious words, act religious, and still he will say, I don't know you. 
I don't know you. So what does it mean? No, I don't know you means a personal relationship. I don't know you in a personal way. You're not my child. You're not my child. You're not born again. You're not born of the Spirit. You're doing things that look religious. And that's one of the great dangers of children who grow up in the church. The greatest danger of children who grow up in the church is they learn religious activity. They learn religious words. They learn to say the right things. They learn to do the right things. But they're never born again. There's never a heart change. And it's deceptive. And they can look good. We could call them good kids. Good kids. They, they're doing good. But it's not our deeds. It's not our righteousness. It's him. And we have to accept what he has done. So we don't do those things to be religious. You know, that's not why we do and serve and do his will, to be religious. You know, we do it because we're obedient to him. We do it out of relationship to him. So just like I think when he came the first time and his own did not receive him, I think when he comes again, I think there are going to be those who do not receive him, have not received him because of choices, because of choices. And so in some ways, I think those those two things are probably a lot alike again. And we just have to be certain that we've made the right choices, that we're ready for his return whenever it comes. Somebody someday is going to get a surprise. Now, you know, we, you know, we, you know, we kind of go, well, you know, it's been a couple thousand years. And well, are you saying you just don't think he's coming? Are you saying, well, I think he's going to come later after I'm gone. Somebody someday is going to get a surprise. That's all I can say. Someday. So the big thing is be ready. Be ready. And then we see in, in Mark, Mark 1 15. When Jesus came the first time and he talked to the people, in Mark 1 15, he, he said, John the Baptist had the message before Jesus came. He says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus kept saying, get ready for the kingdom. Become part of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Turn from where you're going and follow me. And he, throughout his, throughout his message throughout scripture, Jesus would always say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. You need to become part of the kingdom. You, know, you need to live in the kingdom. You need to live your life in the kingdom. You need to accept the way the kingdom is done. You know, we say in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, and that was the message. That was the message that, you know, we need to become part of the kingdom. And we still do. We still need to become part of the kingdom. The Bible says, live in the world, but don't be of the world. Live in the world, but be in my kingdom. You know, we're still in the world, but we're in his kingdom. And living in his kingdom is different than living in the world. You know, even though we're still in the world, we're part of a kingdom. So we understand kingdom principles. We live our lives according to kingdom principles. That's why the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood. You know, we fight against principalities, powers, forces, things going on around us in another kingdom. But we're part of his kingdom. That was Jesus' message. Become part of the kingdom. 
But when he returns, that's not going to be his message. That's not going to be the message when he returns. In Revelations eleven fifteen. It says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. He will return to establish his kingdom forever. It's not going to become, become a part of the kingdom. It will be the kingdom. You're either in the kingdom or you're out of the kingdom. He will establish his kingdom forever and ever. It will never be like, well, come become a part of it. It'll be, he's coming to bring his kingdom and he will establish it forever and ever. Forever. You know, that'll be different. It won't be, it will, no time for a choice then. He will just establish his kingdom. He will establish his kingdom. The first time, the first time Jesus came, he came to save. You know, and and uh, everybody likes that. Well, I don't know about everybody, but you know, it's a nice thought. You know, he comes to save us. Well, you know, well that's nice. You know, he comes to save us. I always like somebody's going to save me. If something bad's going to happen. I like somebody's going to save me from something. That's a that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And Jesus comes to save us. In uh, Luke nineteen ten, it says, "The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost." Jesus came to seek and to save. That was his message. Receive me. I'm your Savior. I will save you from your sin. And, and you know, we like that. You know, that's a nice guy. Somebody's going to save me from something. That's, that's the kind of person I'm looking for. People like, people like the Jesus that loves them. Jesus loves me. This I know. I like that. I like that. It makes me, you know, it just it has a nice ring to it, you know. He loves me. He saves me. Wow. He's really a nice guy. And he is. You know, in our human terms. In our human terms. And so our picture of Jesus is always that loving, saving, redeeming, nice picture. You know, and that's how we see him as he comes the first time. But what we know is that when he comes the second time, he is still our Savior. But he is coming to judge. And and you know that has a little bit of a different aspect to it. You know. I know some people who only want to see him as their savior. That's all they want. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I love everybody and we're all just really happy. You know. Because he's just. That's the way Jesus is. He would never. He would never judge somebody and send them to hell. Never. How could a loving God ever do that? That's, that's sometimes our picture. I don't know that that's always the healthiest picture. I think that's a true picture. But I'm not sure that's always the healthiest. I think we need to understand who he is from beginning to end. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why, why would I fear him? Why would I stand in awe of him? If he's just a loving little baby, you know, Christmas is nice. You know, he's a nice little baby. Everybody loves babies, you know. You know, and we just sing about this pretty little baby. And that's, that's okay. But sometimes I think it distorts our picture of who he really is. 
in Jude, in Jude, the 14th verse. It says, it's interesting, it says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied among these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them, all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He comes to execute judgment. Now, is it possible that we celebrate Christmas and we love Christmas because the baby's still nice and quiet and in a manger? Is it, it's a nice picture. And I'm not against it, but I'm just saying, do we hang on to that so much because we just like that image? What do I do with the fact that he says he's going to come again to execute judgment? Well, I don't like that picture. Well, that's, you know, how can, how can this nice little baby who we celebrate Christmas over come to execute judgment? But that's what's going to happen at his second coming. At his second coming. In his first coming, he came as the Prince of Peace. You know, Prince of Peace. Wow. Like that. You know, we, we, do you think we ever pick and choose? Do you think we pick and choose? I think we do. I think we do. In Isaiah, the ninth chapter, the uh, sixth verse, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wow. I mean, how could you not like him? You know, he's wonderful. He's our counselor. And he is. He is. He's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. But he's coming again. He's coming again. He's still the prince of peace. He's still the prince of peace. But he's coming this time to execute judgment. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. One of my favorite verses, and I usually get choked up, so I don't know, it just kind of bugs me, but, but I do. It says, now when I saw, in, in Revelations 19, now when I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one himself, no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with which he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's how he's coming the second time. That's how he's coming. He's going to come to rule and reign and judge. He's going to make war. You know, there's going to be division. It's going to be different a little bit than the second time. 
And it's okay to celebrate the first coming. But don't lose sight of reality and the fact that he's coming again. He's coming again. He's not going to be a baby in a manger. But he's going to come to judge. He's going to come to reign. The first time he came as a lowly servant. You know, he came, he came as a servant. He came in Mark 10. It talks about he came riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. A lowly farm. A lowly farm. But in his revelations, in Revelation 19, what does it say? He's, he's not coming on no donkey. Not that, it, you know, I guess he could if he wanted to, but he's coming on a white horse. You know, a white horse. I have a picture that I had somebody draw for me. And it's got him sitting on a big white horse. He, he drew this for me. It's really kind of cool. It's his, it's his idea, but it's kind of neat. But, you know, he's sitting on this great big old white horse. You know, and he's coming to judge. And so the most important thing for us is, are we ready? Are we ready? You know? And there's not going to be any time. That's why I think the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Because we always think, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, I still got time. Well, when I get old, well, I'll make that decision later. Like I say, someday somebody's not going to have time. Someday somebody's not going to have time. What's reality? The reality is we don't know our time. You know, we might think we have time in the natural, like, well, you know, I mean, I, you know, I did a funeral a month ago for a 48-year-old. I'm doing one tomorrow for a 46-year-old. They have no more time. No more time. So we need to See that today's the day. Now's the time. Now's the time that we can make a decision. What's that decision? That decision is to become one of his children, to accept the fact that I have sinned. You know, I got to accept, you know, some, and, and then sometimes that's not so hard for us. You know, a lot of people say, well, I've sinned. Recently, I've talked to some people that are very willing to admit they've sinned. Actually, they're willing to say, I'm going to hell. They've kind of just resigned themselves to that, that, well, that's just the way it is. I guess I'm just bad, and I'm going to hell. But we've all sinned. So, you know, what the message is, well, you can feel that way, but we've all sinned. Even the religious of us. (laughs) You know, sometimes we think, well, if you're religious and act religious, you must be okay. Well, maybe just religious. We've all sinned. So no matter whether we look pretty good or look pretty bad, we've all sinned. And so in that condition, then we come and we have to decide, what can I do about this sin in my life? There's only one thing you can do is accept the one that paid the price for my sin, that Jesus paid the price for my sin. He died for my sin. And then I accept that, Lord. I receive your forgiveness. I accept what you've done. I accept your lordship. Jesus, my Lord. And that's another picture, which I'm not going to talk about a lot, but, you know, that's a picture. Jesus, my Savior, you know, that's one picture. Jesus, my Lord's another picture. When he's my Lord, then I obey him. I live my life according to the way he wants me to live. You know, I think everybody will take a Savior, but not everybody wants to take a Lord. You know, the Bible says, Jesus, my Lord. And so we make that decision. We make that decision. We make it now 
so we're ready for when he comes again. Because he's going to come to judge and to separate. And then, then we'll live with him forever or we'll be separated from him forever. So I just pray. I pray. Today, make that decision. Make that decision. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray for anyone here this morning that, that might feel that need to make that decision. Lord, just help them to reach out to you. Lord, you stand at the door knocking. Lord, just help them to open that door that they might receive you. Lord, it's a choice. It's a choice. We can choose to accept what you've done for us or we can choose to reject it. But Lord, I pray that as your spirit just speaks to hearts, Lord, you just help people to say, yes, I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And Lord, I pray that as they make that decision, Lord, you would help them to share that with somebody. Lord, that they would share that because as we believe in our heart, we need to confess with our mouth. Or we need to share that. So Lord, help them to share that with somebody. To say, you know, I just made a decision to accept Jesus as my Savior. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, just help us always to know that we have to be ready because we don't know when you're coming. We don't know when you're going to come as a thief in the night without warning. So, Lord, just help us to be ready. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray if anyone has a need this morning that they, they would like prayer, that, Lord, you'd encourage them to come up and, and just uh, make their way over to my left, and uh, the prayer team will be over there if they'd like to pray with somebody. Lord, we just uh, thank you for being with us. Lord, just help us to, to leave here today ready for your return. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.